begins a series of sermons that will go throughout the summer on uh, practices of the church. And if you uh, were not here last week, I think it would be beneficial to, uh, to check out the podcast. I think that, that God is probably accumulating some uh, Living Hope 101 type things that are good for us to all be on the same page about. And so I'll just reference back to that and try to recap it somehow. Um, so that was sort of the foundational week last week. And so we're going to begin going through various practices, things that God has um, instructed the church to do uh, for our good and for our uh, growth and maturing in him. Things that he uses uh, to make us more and more and more into who he wants us to be. And tonight we're going to simply talk about what we're actually doing together Talk about the gathering together of God's people. Um, and I don't know uh, what your you know background might be, but uh, I grew up going to church, and so that's what you did on Sundays. We we were Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night most of the time because I had a meal, and uh, and then various other times. And so there was always that thing of like we're going to church. Or you would say, if you were to meet somebody, it's like, well, let's just meet at the church. And so, uh, and then you got a little bit older and you were told, no, the church is the people, the church is not the building. So you should always say, we'll meet at the building and, or we'll meet at the this and all that kind of like semantic difference. And the actual, the English word that we have for church, if you trace, trace its origins back, it actually comes from a word that means belonging to God. And so really, whether you're talking about the, the building itself or the people that go inside the building or whatever, it's really not that far off, you know. But the biblical word for church is ecclesia, and it literally means an assembly or gathering of his people. That even in our name uh, and like the, the most basic understanding of what does it mean to be the people of God, we are a people that assemble. We are a people that gather together. And from the very beginnings of the story, we see God constantly gathering his people back together, gathering to himself and gathering them to one another. And so uh, it's important that we understand as best we can exactly what's happening when we gather consistently because it's easy for something to just become routine. It's easy for us to kind of forget uh, why we're here and what we're here to do. Um, so there's a, a very commonly used template for uh, like worship services, people who plan these kinds of things out. And, and it's sort of this fourfold idea that I've come across a lot over the years, and especially a little bit more in the last couple of years. And so there's kind of four parts to the sermon um, that are gathered from the biblical evidence and the history of the church. And the four things are, are, are that we gather, and then we listen, and then we respond, and then we go. We gather, we listen, we respond, and then we go. That that is, is, is what happens when the people of God come together and when they go back out. And then we're going to use the story of Nehemiah to kind of give us a little bit of context to see what that you know, may or may not look like. Um, and so, uh, so those will be the four points, and that'll be where the text comes from. But let me just read the story. Um, it's, it's pretty pretty awesome. So Ezra and Nehemiah are, are, are connected together. Um, and they have, Nehemiah has been, is like the, 
the mastermind behind rebuilding the walls of the city, and that was his big burden. And, and the spiritual uh, connection that happened you know, from the exile, and then like everyone's, the city's destroyed, and they get to come back from exile. And he's like, we got to build the walls to this place again for all these kinds of reasons. Some of them practical, you know, political, and that kind of stuff, but a lot of it was just spiritually, the city of God should be intact. And so they have put the, put the walls back together, and um, there's this, there's, it's the, the reading of the book of the law is where we get to this point. And, and so they gather everyone together. And so let me just read the whole thing, and then we'll kind of bust it up into four, four parts. Um, verse 1 says, all the, all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the, law, uh, brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And all the ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hikiah, and Messiah on his right hand, and Pedadiah, Mishael, Malchijah, Hashum, Hashabanana, Zechariah, uh, and Meshulam on his left hand. I really did practice those names, so thanks for laughing at me. Um, <laughs> But, you know, there's some good Bible names for those of you who are looking. (laughs) Verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Yeshua, Banai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbathai, Hodiah, Messiah, and Kalida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law, while the people remained in their places, and they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, and to send portions, and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. To me, this is a phenomenal, phenomenal passage of Scripture. And I'm not going to get into like history and all that kind of stuff, and we're just going to take it for what it is in this time. But you have this assembly, this gathering of the people. The book of the law is read. The people hear it, and they begin to respond. 
And then it's like, okay, now we need to go and bless others. Like that's the, that's the progression of worship services. That's what should be happening all the time. Let's break all those down. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. The first point is that we gather together. Look at 1 and 2. It says, And all the people gathered as one man. That there's this diversity, but yet there's this unity. There's this oneness that happens when the people of God come together. Um, it says, They gathered as one man. Uh, in the verse 2, Ezra the priest brought the brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard. That there's this, this like, uh, idea that, th- that everyone here is represented. There are plenty of times in the Bible when we see the, the men are here and the women are separate and the kids, you never really hear much about the kids, but here it's like, no, 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 everyone, everyone come in outside the water gate. Let's all gather together, everyone who is there. There's this this beautiful thing that happens when all these different people come together, and I love the fact it says they all gathered as one man. That there's a oneness that's there. God is a gatherer. It's what he does. He's always bringing people together. The Exodus, he's bringing them to himself. All the covenants, how he creates family. The Davidic kingdom, the incarnation of Jesus. Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament church. The, the history of the church, and then what is to come on the new earth, God is constantly bringing people together. He's a gatherer. This is rooted in his agape, in his love where he desires your good, and what's good for you is to be gathered together with him and with each other. We see this modeled within the Trinity. There's this relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit that is beautiful and perfect and and there is there are differences between them but there's a oneness that's there there's distinction with each of their persons but yet they're one when we come together in this room we're a we're a shadow of that trinity in that in that regard that we're all so different but yet there is a oneness that's there and so this gathering is not just any group of people coming together that god is the one who has initiated our meetings that God has done this. We don't come here at 5 o'clock on Sundays because I decided it, or the elders decided it, or history, just being uh, you know, the ring slash living hope, has decided it. Not because the Southern Baptist Convention decided it. Not because anyone has decided it. Even, even tradition, God has called this meeting. And yeah, he's used leaders, he's used traditions, and he's worked through all those kinds of things, but we have to realize that when God gathers his people, it's his idea of us to come together, not our own. It's a rhythm that he's installed, and it's for our good. And so God has gathered his people together for the purpose of relationship, to him and to each other. Like That's what is happening, that's why we come together. And we're here, we're reminded that Jesus is Lord, and that he loves you, and that you are not alone. Now, if you were to come together, and, th- and that, was like the, that was the meat of what, of what happened. Jesus is Lord, he loves you, you are not alone. And that were to like just click and realign everything, and then you were to be sent back out. Wouldn't that be a worthwhile trip? 
Now, I know that can happen. It can happen with just you and the Lord at your house. It, can, it, it happens in community group. It happens in different settings. But there's a different way that it sinks in when you're a bunch of people in a room, isn't it? You can, you can nod sometimes if you want to. It's different because he's, he's gathered us together. He's initiated this. And so our, the first thing we really have to dial into is that God as a gatherer has initiated and he's called this meeting together. That every time we get together, it's because he wants us to. Not because we want to, not because it's Sunday, not because it's whatever. And if we ever, ever are blessed enough to be able to meet in the mornings, you know what won't change? God being the initiator of the meeting. He may let us determine the day and the time and the place and, the, and you know, all that kind of stuff, but he's the one that has started all of this. So, that's the first thing. All the people come together as one because God has called them to come together. All right, the second thing, look at verse 3. The second big, big uh, event in the fourfold uh, flow of, of worship is listening. Verse 3. And he, meaning Ezra, read from it, from the book of the law, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. Now, y'all don't give me a hard time about going past 630 sometimes, okay? What about the nursery workers? It doesn't say. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) So he read from the book of the law from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand here it is. And, all the, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. You got all these people gathered in this place, and Ezra's reading from the book of the law, which was a huge deal because their poor leadership had not like, made God's law the centerpiece, you know, and the relationship that comes from keeping it, that was not the centerpiece of Israel for a long, long, long time. And so a lot of them are hearing this really for the first time, other than like oral tradition passed down through the generations. A lot of them are are hearing the actual words of God being proclaimed to them for the first time, and they are stunned. They're listening attentively, as are you, right? They're listening attentively. God has called us together because he has some things to say to us. So he initiates a meeting we all come together. The second thing is, God's like, look, I got some stuff to tell y'all. And so we listen. We listen to him literally speaking to us. Now, when I say literally, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean audibly. He's communicating things through everything that we do. And so if we listen with more than just our ears, we're able to sense God communicating some stuff to us. Up to this point tonight, we have, we've heard about a missionary from among us who is serving overseas. We've prayed for, for um, a group of people that we do not know who have had the worst day of their lives. We've come before them on their behalf to ask God for, for all kinds of things. We've sung songs about hope. We've sung songs about the character of God as the one who breaks chains the one who has come to save us, the one who is here among us, and our desire for him to have his way. 
We've participated in things that God has been speaking into the whole time we've been here. And now we're interacting with the scriptures and he's speaking again. And then we're going to sing some more. Spoiler, he's going to speak through that. And their communion will be an option. He'll speak through that. Prayer will be an option. He'll speak through that. And then before and after, you might see people and, and hug them and talk to them and catch up with them or whatever. And God's going to speak through that. And you're going to drive away and God's going to go with you in the car. That there are things that happen from start to finish when we're together where God has, he is speaking to us through all of these things. And that should have us perked up and listening. And saying, God, what do you want to say to me tonight? However you want to say it, I'm, I'm ready. Through songs, through prayers, through the scriptures, through the sermon, through talking with people, through looking at people, in all senses, what do you want to say to us tonight? He speaks through those things, and so we engage in these practices consistently, the things that he's given us to do because he said, do these and I'm going to communicate something to you. I'm going to transform you, I'm going to speak to you. So he says, have communion, so we have communion. He says sing, so we sing. He says proclaim the word, so we proclaim the word. He says gather, so we gather, because he wants to say something to us. So he initiates the meeting because he has some stuff to say. And I want to encourage you, if you are a Christian, if Jesus is your Savior and your Lord, God dwells within you and you have the ability to hear him, to receive what he is communicating to you through all the different things that we have going on. And I know from from talking with you and hearing feedback and just seeing different things over the last couple years that, that collectively... Our supreme like, confidence in our ability to hear from God is not the strongest thing for us. If you were to rate what are the best five things that, uh, or the, the things you're the best at, one through five, in terms of like, your relationship with Jesus, nobody in this room is like, I absolutely hear from him all the time, like first, first time I ask him. We're all a little iffy about that, a little slow to pull the trigger on saying, yeah, God definitely, absolutely said this to me. And hopefully we're growing in that. Hopefully we're getting better in that. But you need to know, as someone who like God lives in, he has given you the ability to sense what he is wanting to say. And it doesn't always have to be like this big, like beams from heaven, angels are playing kind of revelation. It could just simply be we're standing and we're singing and God's going, yep, that's me. Yep, that's me too. I really am that. I really will do that. I really have done that. He could just be affirming the songs the whole time. He can speak to you as you walk up to the communion table and someone says, the body of Christ broken for you. And he's like, yeah, it was. The blood of Christ poured out for you. Sure was. Even if it's just affirmation, God is communicating something to you and you can hear that he is Lord and that he loves you and that you're not alone. And so much more that he wants to say to us. This should change our journey toward the gathering every single time we come together. I know what it's like to be traveling towards something you're excited about. I don't know how many of you are excited as you're traveling toward our Sunday night gatherings. I don't know. 
but I know that you probably are not 100% of the time completely dialed into what I'm talking about. There are probably times when it's just like a huge accomplishment for you to be here. If you ever watch The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, he, every single night he opens up and he's like, hey, congratulations, you made it, you made it. You know why he says that? Because they have been on hours and hours and hours and hours of waiting to actually get to when they tape the show. So he's literally saying, you waited so long to get here, aren't you so happy that you made it? And I know that sometimes church feels like that, that, that especially those of you with young kids, you feel like if you can just get them there, get that little sticker on their back and checked in, you can get to wherever you want to sit, you're just like, oh, we made it. High five. Yeah, we did it. I get that. I'm not saying that you have to have like a deep, like loud worship service in the car coming over here all the time or whatever, but should there be a deeper sense of anticipation about what is going to happen? That's between you and the Lord. I, I don't say this at all to correct us or or, or whatever, I, I, I'm inspired to think of it this way. To remind myself that, yeah, God's going to talk to us tonight. God has gathered us together, not, just be, not to be religious, but because he it, like, is in relationship with us, and we're in relationship to each other, and he wants to communicate all kinds of amazing things to us tonight through all these different things. And so I don't know what the, you know, like, what the heart version of a dog's ears perking up are, but I kind of feel like I need to figure it out for myself of like, what is my, what is my like attentive, like I'm listening to everything you want to say, like posture for my heart. Well, it probably begins with my mind. And if I'm thinking heading over here on a Sunday and I got a million things I'm thinking, thinking about as you do as well, if I'm going to build into a part of that, like, man, God, I know you want to talk to me tonight. I know you have things to say to me and everyone else in that room. Will you help us to be attentive? Here in the text, you have a group of people who for hours and hours and hours are stunned by what they're hearing as if it was for the first time, and it probably was. That every week you come in here and you know what? You're not who you were last week, and you're not who you're going to be next week. So he wants to meet you here today where you are and speak to you. So I hope that a part of what we're doing here on, on Sunday as we're going through some of these practices is, is kind of like hitting a reset button and for some things, for us to make sure that the right things are important to us. I was reading a book this week that, that talks about some of these practices and, and the things that are like rituals and celebrations that are a part of of, of Christianity, but he was talking about in general, he said, if you want to look at what's important to a group of people, look at their rituals and their celebrations. Look at what they do consistently and look at what they absolutely just throw a big party about. And that'll show you what's important to them. And within those, there are all these things that are encoded, these messages that are sending to those outside of that group and those within that group what's going on. And so the gathering of God's people Embedded within that is this idea that, yeah, God is here among us and he wants to talk to us, so he's called us together. So that being important to us is in and of itself incredibly important. So we gather and then we listen and then we see the people responding. Look at their responses in verse 5. Zezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, like he was literally on a platform, not like you know, hierarchy or whatever. 
says, as he opened it, all the people stood. I don't know how they knew to do that, you know. There are some churches where that's like a regular thing, you know, like we, we do the priestly blessing, and there are some churches where whenever the pastor gets up and it's time for the primary text, yes, everybody stands. And then when you do that for a while, you, don't, you just kind of stand, you know. But this was like a first-time thing, so they didn't, didn't really know, but that was their response to the book of the law being opened, you know. So Ezra's like, I know it's like a, probably a scroll, but let's just pretend it was a small bound book. Uh, he's like, okay, here's the, here's, the, here's the word of God. And he opens it up and they're like, whoa, we, this is important. Something significant just happened. We're about to hear the very words of God. So let's get in a posture that's appropriate for that. And so they stood, which I'm not saying that we should all stand all the time. I'm just saying they stood. Verse 6, uh, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So Amen means, essentially, it's true. Uh, So Ezra blessed God. The people said it's true, and they lifted their hands, and some of them bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. There's these physical responses that start internally, and then you just kind of have to do something. And so this variety of responses. Verse 7 has a list of a bunch of names. Um, it talks about in the middle of, at the end of verse 7, after some names, it says, the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. And so it's understood that what's happening is you have Ezra who's on like this platform, he's reading the law, and you have all these people who don't know what's going on. And so they have positioned like Levites who were it was a, a tribe, and they functioned as priests. And they, they, from what I understand, they think that they were kind of like scattered out around the crowd. And as Ezra is reading the law, they're out there, and they're kind of they're translating it, and they're kind of helping people understand what he is saying. And so that's kind of that's kind of what I do, right? That's kind of what the elders do when they're preaching. That's kind of that role is saying, okay, here's, this is the Bible. Let's, let me try to help everyone understand what's going on. And so Ezra's reading and it's kind of being like explained to the people. And that's probably why it took some time to go through. And, and so that's the response. And so that's their, they're responding back and forth to the law. And then as it's read and then they're helped to understand it, then they respond some more and the cycle kind of continues. Um, they read the book of the law, and it was clear to them. Verse 9, look at the end of, of the verse. It says, For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. So Ezra's reading, the Levites are explaining, the people are crying. And the more they began to understand about God's will for them and his faithfulness, and, and really the, the fact that he had given them these rules to keep, and they had been breaking them, and their response was just, they were just crying. They were broken over their sin, over their disobedience, over the, the fact that they had been in ignorance because their leaders had not been faithful, and there's just all this stuff wrapped up in there, and they're crying. And so they go from this gathering, and God begins to speak to them through the, from the word, through the Levites, to the people, and they're responding, and they're crying. And at one point, they were bowed down, and they were praying, and their hands up at another point, and they're saying amen at another point. And, all these responses to their understanding of things. And then we're the same way. He gathers us, he begins to speak to us, and we respond to what he's saying. It's like a, it is like a dialogue. There's this revelation and response, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. 
And in a conversation, both sides of it are important. And so he's called us together to say some things to us. And we can say yes, we can say no, we can whatever, but we respond to all of it. You can ignore what he's telling you in a worship service. You can allow yourself to be unprepared, really, really distracted, bored. You can play on your phone. Um, you can you know, check sports scores. You can catch up on email. You can pass notes back and forth to each other. You can make comments about things. You can fret endlessly about your child uh, in, in the nursery over there. And I'm not saying that any of those things, I mean, maybe the email thing, but I'm not saying those things are inherently bad. But is that what you want to be doing when God is wanting to say something to you? Is that the response to the revelation that he's handing down? Do you want to miss a moment of what he wants to say? So we're here for like an hour and a half, and it's kind of, there's not a lot of lag time. You know, there's not a lot of like, all right, y'all just like hang out for a couple of minutes and we'll figure out what we're going to do next. Like we try to, we try to bump things together and kind of have it flow together and everything kind of makes sense. And I know that we live in this day and age when it's, it's kind of hard to stay focused. I get it. So I suggest you just ask for help, like divine Hosanna help, right? That a part of your personal preparation for coming together with God's people is you're saying, God, I know you're gathering us together because you want to speak to us, and I need your help to hear everything you want to say. Every single thing that you want to say. There's this song by a, a vertical church people, whatever they are, um, vertical church band or something like that. And um, here's just a couple of the lyrics. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word. Because when you speak, when you move, when you do what only you can do, it changes us. It changes what we see and what we seek. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we're leaning into all you are. Everything else can wait. And the first time I heard it, I was like, what a powerful statement to make, you know? Everything else can wait. Because when we're together for this hour and a half, something significant is happening. And I want to be dialed into every single bit of it. I know that there are times when uh, you're on vacation or you're sick or there's different reasons why you can't be here. And we, we, we rotate through helping take care of each other's kids. And so there's sometimes you're in the nursery. And, and so that's why we have like the podcast that's there and stuff. But don't you just like, want to be here when you think of it in these, some of these kinds of ways? We're leaning in to who you are. Everything else can wait. Love it, right? It just seems to be exactly what God has in mind. So, so what's the... God speaks to us, we respond. And a lot of times our response, we're responding in the very ways that he's speaking to us. So if he's speaking to you through the word, the response is like you, you like press in a little bit more to the word. If he's speaking to you in song, you end up singing a little bit louder. 
If he's speaking to you in prayer, you're more driven to that. If he speaks to you through communion, then taking communion becomes something special. There's, there, it's, it's just interesting to me that the very things he speaks to us through are the ways that we respond to him. They're like pushed together. That a lot of these practices are, are both revelation and response, like mashed into one thing. Because God can do that. And so we have all those responses, but then our responses, you know, they, they can be very inward. They can be renewed commitment. It can be conviction. It can be a lot of things that, are, that God is doing inside, and that's your response, is you're welcoming the conviction. You're welcoming the obedience. You're welcoming those things he wants you to do. And then there are times when it's outward. There are times when what starts inside has to get out of you, so you have to sing louder. Sometimes you even want to clap at the end of a song. Sometimes you want to clap during a song. You're like, I don't know. No one else is clapping. I'm not sure if it's okay. It's okay. All right? You have permission. If you're not a hands-up person, that's fine. But if you want to put your hands up, or you want to become a hands-up person, put your hands up. It's fine. That response has to happen. And there are times when you're singing and times when you're praying. And we've even moved toward that being a way we respond to the, the proclamation of the word here. That you can stand and sing. You can come and you kneel and pray. You can come and take communion. Trying to give people, all of you, all of us, the freedom to say, this is what's going on inside of me. And this is how that's going to work its way out before we dismiss and go. All those different responses, the, the good news of his lordship and his love and our togetherness and forgiveness and grace and mercy and restoration, all this stuff is worth it. You've got to respond to it. You can't, you can't just sit there and be like, well, that's very interesting. Let's give me some things to think about one day. You don't, that's not how it works. It's, it's too good, and the gathering of the saints is too crucial in God's plan for your life to just be like, oh, I guess I'll go to church. It's too, too good. And all of these things, we do them together. If there's a togetherness, you know. You don't sit in your room and you're like, man, I really just want to take communion. That's not how communion works. It's, there's, it's a common unity, a community, communion, see, it's all. So communion is served to you, and you receive it. We sing together. You can sing in your car, and that's fine, but it's different when we're together. We pray together. We interact with the scriptures together. There's this, these, this natural family rhythm to what happens. And so you have this... The gathering, and then there's listening and responding, and, and you just ping-pong back and forth through those, throughout the whole gathering. So it's this constant listen and respond, listen and respond, listen and respond. It's happening for an hour and a half, hour and a half, hour and a half. And then we get to the fourth point, and the last one is we go. So you see it, you see it in the story as well. Look at verse 10. So they've been crying and weeping, and they're telling them, like, no, you should not be weeping. This is awesome. But they're so broken and convicted, and he's like, this is, they're like, this is good, this is good, this is good. So verse 10, said to them, go your way, eat the fat, which is, you know, like, eat the good stuff, right? Eat the fat, drink the sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. He sends them into other people's lives. He sends them out to celebrate and embrace what God has done, and to look to the needs of other people. They're like, look, we can't hang out at the, the water gate all day. God has gathered us. God has spoken to us. We have responded. We have ping-ponged back and forth between those things. And now you need to go and be blessed and bless other people. 
Same thing in verse 12. And the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing. That God is a gatherer, but he is also a scatterer, which is maybe not a word. He scatters us, you know, in our homes and neighborhoods and communities and workplaces and all this kind of stuff that he brings the people together and he's like, all right, go. We accomplished what we needed to accomplish. I've said what I wanted to say. You've responded in, you know, whatever way you're going to respond. Now go, be blessed and bless other people. So he's a gatherer and a scatterer. He prepares the ground and he scatters the seeds and he nurtures the plants and he collects the harvest. He's constantly just gardening and grooming and he's growing people and he has this whole rhythm that he's established and a part of it is getting out of here. The outward momentum of the gathering of the saints, it's part of the designed rhythm that he's put into place. It's supposed to have that outward momentum. It's like he's like like cranking down like a, a coil or a spring or something like that and then by the end he just releases it and we just like scatter out everywhere. That's what's supposed to happen. And so when we leave, we're equipped and we're focused and we're reminded and we're centered and we're blessed and we go out hopefully more grounded in the fact that he's Lord and he loves us and that we're not by ourselves. So he gathers us, he speaks to us and we listen. We respond. He keeps speaking, we keep listening throughout our time together and then we say the priestly blessing and we go and we bless other people and there's this this rhythm within the bigger rhythm that should happen. This is worth ordering your life around, isn't it? It is. It's worth ordering your life around something that's this important. And don't hear me, this is not me trying to get a bunch of people to be more consistent at going to church so we can hear me preach. It has nothing to do with that at all. I hope that you believe me in that. Not trying to grow this mega church, not trying to get a bigger budget, not trying to do any of that weird stuff. This is good for us. And so, as one of your Levites, then it is my job to help us all understand how important this is. It is worth ordering, ordering your life around this in the ways that you can. If you get the flu, don't come to church. All right? And if you uh, have a family and you need to go on vacation, you need to go on vacation. All right? But what doesn't make sense to me is when people are like, well, we just had a really crazy week and we got another crazy week, so we stayed home. That doesn't make any sense to me when you think about it like this. Isn't this what you need when life is crazy? Don't you need to gather and listen to God and respond to him so that you can go into the next week and not be a maniac? Yeah? When we think about it correctly... It's, you know, it's, it's, worth, it's worth it. And when you schedule your life, you build your life around the things that are important to you, and you have the right mindset, then they play the role they're supposed to play, and we're a blessed people. And so I just want us, I want us to be there, you know? Like, I want, I want to be there. I want our family to be dialed into these kinds of realities. And I think you do too. And so by God's help, we can do it. We can overcome the fact that we do this every week. You know, we can do this every week and it not lose its meaning. We can gather and listen and respond 
and let that propel us into the world around us. We can do this together. And he's begun it. And if we let him fan it into flame, then it'll, it'll keep getting more and more meaningful to us. Hebrews 20, 10, 24, and 25 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I hope that those two verses will continue to take on deeper and deeper meanings for us. Let's stand together. We're going to respond a little bit, as you may expect. And a part of that is going to be through singing, and so the band's going to come, they're going to lead us. And um, If you would like to come and to pray and kneel down here at any point in the next couple of minutes, you can do that. Meg is going to be serving communion tonight. And so um, if you want to take communion as a part of your response to God's revelation, she'll be down here and um, just warn you, it's the kind where you tear the bread off and you dip it in yourself. Okay, so uh, not, it's not a bad warning. It's a good warning. Just so you know, if you, if you get up there and she just stares at you, that's why, that's why she's staring at you. All these different responses are our way of, of taking Jesus up on what he offers us. So let me pray for us, and we'll just kind of let the next few minutes be the next few minutes before we actually go. All right, let's pray. God, I'm so grateful to you for... Uh, for loving us enough to want to be with us as a group. We know that you love us individually and you're with us when we're apart, that kind of stuff, but there's a unique way that we sense your presence and nearness when we're together. We see each other and we hear each other and we hug each other. Uh, There's just a beauty that's there and I'm thankful for that. And I hope, Father, that you have been speaking through all the different things we've talked about tonight. And that you've just been constantly uh, reframing things and reminding us and realigning us with truth and who you are. I'm so thankful that you really are Lord and that you really do love us and that we are never, ever alone. And so whether through singing or praying or taking communion or whatever our responses are in the next few minutes. Help us to do so in spirit and in truth. We thank you that you stand at the table and offer us your body and blood, the the grace that we need. And so may these next few moments, as we respond in different ways, um, may we let you know that we hear you. You're heard by us. You're loved by us. You're trusted by us. Um, Help us to steward these closing moments well together.